0: Hello and welcome to Effin Hormones. It's the podcast about perimenopause and beyond. It's me and my three mates, Bina, Terry and Helen, keeping you informed about what's going on in this crazy old time of life. And try and have a laugh where we can too, because you and I know sometimes the way to get through it is to indulge in a bit of dad humour <laughs> yes we're all looking at you too oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I was going to say dad
1: jokes dad humour there's a slightly sinister ring to dad humour I haven't seen
2: my dad dancing have you
3: hey but you went to Cafe Mambo didn't I did, you oh, yeah. you did a, a daytime cafe, a uh, raving thing that we were talking yeah, about a, last a time daytime <laughs> rave so how did it go yeah, it was great it was
2: good fun actually it was like a, a rave that started at 4.30 and finished at 10.30 so uh, yeah, brilliant. It's like s- did you have did you get a glitter? did you get some glitter on? Uh, I I got a, like one of the fake tats on my arm. I had. A, did you not see my glitter jacket on Facebook? Oh cool! Yeah, I had a glitter jacket. I looked like a when when the sun got a glitter down, jacket. I looked like a disco ball because it was no I borrowed one. I obviously don't have one, do I? <laughs> I was gonna say I'm I, I'm going to Ibiza in July. Can I borrow your glitter jacket? It's it's not mine, otherwise I would say yes, gladly. But uh, apparently you can get them on Amazon. Damn. But uh, yeah, it was
3: great It's my birth- It's my birthday next week. It's my- <laughs> I want a glitter jacket.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe to just buy one for all of us. Yeah, just share it. it. Yeah, we'll on have effing
3: rare- hormones.
0: Yeah, yeah, on the very rare occasions when we go raving.
1: We'll get it on the back, effing <laughs> hormones. A bit like, you know, like a biker jacket with the thing on yeah, the back. Yeah, like pink ladies. pink ladies. that's it. Effing hormones. <laughs> glitter jackets. Yes. Oh, ladies. we should do- totally do some merch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> ladies <laughs> this could catch on i'm liking this idea i
3: oh, know it's too. got legs girl anyway we rudely interrupted your intro Sorry, Emma. Emma. do Emma. carry on do
0: carry on oh yes um so i should probably tell you what's happening um shortly yeah okay well what what's happening is in this episode you're going to hear mira bogle's story now when she started experiencing perimenopause symptoms in her early 40s Funnily enough, she wasn't taken seriously at the GPs and was given antidepressants, which is becoming a very familiar story here to us at FN Hormones. Mira says it was a lonely time because menopause just wasn't talked about. She's now really passionate about raising awareness of menopause, particularly amongst South Asian communities. So you're going to be hearing all about that in this episode. First, though, they've already rudely interrupted, but let's hear from the gang. Hi, girls. Hello, hello. hello. Whoop, whoop. Big fish, little fish. And Bean fish. is joining us from a very glamorous location tonight. <laughs>
1: I am, Well, I'm I'm eating big fish, little fish.
0: I'm in Whitby. Nice. She's in Whitby. Whitby. I'm in Whitby. And tell everyone what happened to you this afternoon.
1: Well, I arrived and the first thing I wanted to do was go get an ice cream and walk down the pier. And uh, two licks into my ice cream, a seagull came and bombed me from behind and... I felt it I felt I felt it on the on the edge of my ear just come in, swooped in and took my ice cream. Well, just the ice cream bit and I was just standing left holding the cone. Much to the amusement of the group of primary school aged children standing just oh, to the right no. of me who just couldn't believe what they'd just seen and they fell about laughing. So I'm glad I entertained them, but I was I was I spent £3.50 on a mint choc chip ice cream and it just got <laughs> swooped off well, You evening. were robbed.
0: I was going to say, being a I was robbed. WhatsApp like, group, properly robbed. You was robbed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because we've got a WhatsApp group for FN Hormones, and I was going to say, as an ice cream aficionado, we could only see the empty cone, but I could see <laughs> quite clearly the remnants of what looked like <laughs> mint choc chip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell you, what I did was, to, like, I was like, I'm eating this bloody cone. The seagull is not getting my cone. So I kind of hid... I went and sort of hid, and I sort of tried to eat it slightly under my coat so the seagulls couldn't get my cone as well.
0: Oh, Uh, oh, yeah. Anyway. Watch your back. That happened within
1: half an hour of arriving, so, yeah.
0: Bye-bye, ice cream. (laughs) These seagulls should know better than to mess with menopausal women. God, you know, I wasn't fast enough. I wasn't fast enough.
3: Have we got any menopause-related news, anybody? I have. I
0: I had the realisation the other day
2: that I'm post-menopausal. Which was a bit of a What? Shame.
3: No way, really. That's huge. Wow. I know. Weird, isn't it? So so hang on a sec. What, how, is that like after you've had no period for a year? Yeah. After that. Well, let's give Terry a little clap. Give me <laughs> a, a clap. clap. Woo, whole new life stage. A whole new life. Oh, <laughs> give her the clap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, my God. We're
3: mates, right? But
2: we're not that <laughs> close. Oh, sorry. <laughs> toilet hu- toilet oh. humour. Started early. Dear, oh, dear it's a bit sort of bittersweet really because it's like oh great you know i suddenly realized i've got loads of pads and tampons and everything and i'm like i've never actually i haven't actually used these in such what? a long time like i've got like you Still. know you keep a stash yeah but i've not i've not used them i've not needed them and i was like when was the last time i had a period and it's way over a year and uh and then i was like gosh oh. i really am and then when i giving myself the label i was like oh does that mean i'm postmenopausal? which it does and i was like oh my god postmenopausal women are old but i'm not old and i'm not old-headed particularly yep. well i can be but um you know it was just a bit of a realization it was a bit of a shock really when
0: i when i realized but i'm gonna have to start wow, embracing that's deal, it now yeah. it is i
2: know yeah
0: you are terry all the best people are i realized it about a year ago as well so i'm about three years past now i yeah. think it's a weird so.
2: feeling though isn't it when you realize that that whole sort of era of your life has gone and it's not going to come back It's it's a strange feeling
3: I can still remember how I felt when it all first started because my, my, my mum had talked to me about it and, and, I was, and I was like, you know, when you're really serious when you're a kid, you're like, right, yeah, <laughs> okay. You know, it felt really serious. And then the day it happened, it, I was like, wow. It's proper
1: I... rite of passage stuff, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, it felt very momentous, very momentous. Yeah. And what's,
2: what's this nappy for?
1: <laughs> oh God, they were back then, weren't they? They
0: were Sanitary towels in the 80s. You waddled like a penguin. We're all like John Waining. <laughs> wow. <laughs> At least you don't have to worry
3: about that, and you should honestly, guys. If you could see Terry, do... oh, she's waddling on the screen. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite a picture. At least, listen. At least you've left that behind. Oh, thank God! It?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And I think I mentioned it before. It is the best thing about the menopause is the just not having to worry about periods. And I just remember I was watching Ted Lasso last night, and there's a scene where Keely gets caught on the toilet and she doesn't realise her period's come, and she hasn't got any tampons in her bag. And I was thinking. I'd been in that situation so many times of being totally unprepared because I was so clueless. I'd never know when my period was coming. And that anxiety of being out and not having a tampon. And I don't have to go through that anymore. So Yay! that's brilliant. So I'm quite glad about that. I have a male friend that I always
2: got caught short whenever I was in his company. <laughs> and it was always him who had to go and get my tampons. <laughs> and it's like how, it was like it was timed for when I'd see him. And he lived he lived in the flat below me and we were, we were friends at uni and then we were friends afterwards. We still, we're still still friends. He was my best man as well at my wedding. Um, but it always seemed to happen whenever oh. he was around. I won't mention him because it'll embarrass him. But it always seemed to happen that I used to go, oh, you won't oh. do me a massive favour and get me some tampons while you're out. But it always seemed to happen oh, with him. And he just him. used to look at me and go, are you timing it? So, you know anyway sorry yeah just remembering those sort of those moments of horror when you're in your 20s and 30s is just
0: yeah all gone no more no more i remember my worst i was on an island off the northeast coast of thailand and we were staying in a hut that had no electricity and I couldn't find any tampons, and I couldn't find a shop that sold them either. And I must have walked around the entire island and took about a day to try and find tampons. Do you have I to try and mime practically it? Practically in tears <laughs> by the end of it. By the time I found a tampon, I was so excited. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, no, I don't miss those days. Howdy. This episode is sponsored by Better Help. So, what's Better Help, Em's? Basically, it is online therapy. BetterHelp matches you to one of 32,000 licensed therapists based on your location and your preferences. And then you can access therapy from your laptop or even your phone. Helen, you've uh, been through therapy, right?
3: Yeah. I was going through life not realising that all these horrible negative thoughts that were just like weighing down on me, that actually I could set myself free from them. Going to therapy has given me tools to work on those thoughts and realize that you know what I don't have to believe those thoughts and now I'm like is that really the case Helen do you really you know and and when things like that are going on I now know that I need to go and do some yoga meditation and you know what none of that would have happened without me having therapy
0: I've just gone onto their website and straight away it asks you just several questions so that you get the right therapist for you then it asks you about your sexuality so I put in that I was a lesbian Straight away, the website asked me, did I want a therapist that specialised in LGBTQ plus advice? And I put yes, because that to me is really, really important. And I think that would be important for a lot of people, really. Awesome. To find out
3: more about it and to get 10% off your first month, head to betterhelp.com slash effinghormones. That's betterhelp.com slash effinghormones.
0: So it's time now for you to hear from our guest for this episode. Mira Bogle is a menopause expert, personal trainer and fitness coach who runs a platform called Mira's Made From Scratch. There are training plans and clubs on there. There's recipes and events. Well, don't worry, she'll tell you all about it very soon. Mira's really passionate about raising awareness of menopause, particularly in South Asian communities. She's even been to Parliament to talk about it. And if you bought Dr. Louise Newson's latest book, The Definitive Guide to Perimenopause and Menopause, then you will have read all about her, as Mira contributed to that as well. So, welcome, Mira. Thanks
4: for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me
0: Well, we'll get on to hearing all about the menopause, but first, if you can remember that far back, what was life like before the menopause? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh gosh, what was life? Back? I mean, it was a very long time ago. <laughs> well, I was a, I was a single mom for a while. I've got two girls. I was busy, busy, busy running my business. Just always been really active, really busy. Uh, you know, life was just, yeah, I was, was that going, was just never home, really sociable, out and about all the time, loved being with people and exercising. I was a runner. I, I loved spinning, so I'd done half marathons. You know, so just wow. a full-on life. Yeah, full-on life.
0: So I probably know the answer to this question, but um, were you fully prepared for the menopause? Did you know exactly what was going to happen? Did you know what to expect?
4: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I had no idea. Um, I thought I actually ge- genuinely just I'd never really heard of it. And what I had heard was just, you know, you, you're old. You've got to be old. So I kind of was thinking 70, 80, that kind of thing. So when you're old, this wow. happens. But what it was that happened, I didn't know. I didn't even know what that meant, what menopause meant at all. Not on my radar. N- didn't even know the vocabulary. Had no-, no idea at all. You know, there's there are kind of moments in your life where you, j- and, and they stick with you. And it was literally my 40th birthday. The part we were going to, I'd organized a party with friends um, and I was getting ready and you know, getting my dress and everything on and I'd been to the hairdressers for a blow dry and it was all just lovely and I I just froze before we went out and I said to my husband I don't want to go and he's just like what on earth what do you mean come on it's fine you'll be alright let's have a drink and you'll be fine and I was like no I don't want to go because my hair is thinning um, I don't feel I've got I'm getting palpitations I feel really anxious and I don't know why I don't want to go and then he was like no your hair's fine it looks really you know the whole thing being really supportive anyway we did go But that didn't leave me. And that was that really, to me, looking back, was one of the first things I remember where my hair was thinning and I was losing hair. Um, But there was no connection to menopause at that point at all. I just thought it was genetic, because in my family, everyone's got thin hair and they're losing hair. Um, The anxiety and palpitations and things, I just put down to, oh, I've gotten a regular heartbeat. Or actually, I was a bit anxious about the birthday and being with people that, you know, I don't know. So you just... You kind of just fob it all off and it's all, it's just like, oh, I'm tired or I'm this or I'm that, you know, I'm not eating well or whatever it might be.
0: The anxiety was new for you then. That was sort of ai mental... I don't, yeah.
4: I, I've never really had panic attacks. I didn't even know what was happening to me. I didn't understand that I was anxious. I actually was, it was only through speaking to Harry, my husband, who's a, a pharmacist, that he was sort of like, okay, you know, it sounds like you're quite anxious. And I'm like, Really? How does that even come about? You know, we there's no history of it in the family or anything like that. So I didn't really have any, again, it's not on my radar. And the aching joints, that was bad. That was bad too, uh, to the point where I had to stop running. Because, again, another moment where, you know, if you're a doer and you're one of these people that just do it, you just get on with it. I was talking to somebody else today who, you know, when you're raising your kids and you're a you just, you're some. My, my daughter says to me, I've got a grandson, and my daughter says to me, "Mom, how did you do it? I've got you and Harry and, and she's got a husband and my, you know, she's got all of us around her. How did you do it? Just like looking after two of us. And I just said, I just, I didn't have a choice. I had to just get on with it. And that was the sort of same thing that I was putting into place with all these symptoms. Just get on with it. You know, what is wrong with you? you like you're turning into a hypochondriac or you just, you know, so these aching joints, I actually realized I had to stop running when I got to a point I was doing a half marathon it was a was it the bath half marathon I can't remember which one I had to take a painkiller to get to to the finish line hmm. and I was like what are you doing to yourself
0: uh, was there a sense that you were saying to yourself oh this is just normal because I'm getting old and there was no understanding of the menopause
4: I wasn't blaming age I actually thought I had some serious illness and disease hmm? I thought I had cancer or I had, you know, at certain stages, I thought I had Alzheimer's, dementia. I just, I just thought I had something seriously wrong with me.
0: So did you go to the doctors?
4: I did. I did. I went twice, actually, two, well, after that, I gave up. Um, and I, the first, actually three times. So I went to see the nurse and it was for a, a smear, smear test. And I set her at the point uh, at that time. And I just said, I think I'm experiencing these kinds of symptoms and, you know, I sort of said a few, and I said, I think I'm going through menopause. And she said, how old are you? And I said, oh, 43 or 4, whatever it was. I can't even remember. It's quite young. So it started in my 40s, 40 40, about 43 or something. And she said, oh, no, absolutely not. No way. <laughs> yeah. Far too young. <sighs> okay. Okay. So there is something wrong with me. anyway. went away, thought, okay, that's so uh, the... Um, and then I went to the doctor for anxiety because it had got really, really bad. Um, and you know she talked to me and it was really lovely thing and but there was no mention of menopause i was just given antidepressants and i came home and i said to my husband harry I said, i've got no issues taking these antidepressants but this is i don't feel i need this and this is such a common story you know, i've worked yeah. with so many women now so but i common. could tell you mm-hmm. that this was a unique story oh we've heard it so many times Mira. yeah and i didn't take them i just knew and if i needed them i would have taken them so i kept saying to them, i've got nothing against medication or anything like that it just knew it was a right. And then I went back another time and said again, I think, you know, to the nurse, I think I'm going through menopause. Um, and, then, and then again, it was like, no, no, you're still too young to be going through menopause. And technically, they were right. I wasn't going through menopause. I was going through perimenopause. I didn't know the word perimenopause. I didn't know I should be using the right terminology and going to them with a list of symptoms and putting it all together and say, this is what I'm going through. But... Mm. In all fairness, Harry, my husband, did say to me, you know, why don't you go on HRT? Uh, we're talking 15 years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. I, "I." we did some research and he said, that, yeah, all right. I said, well, what's it made of? What's it? He said it's horse urine, which it was at the time. And was it? I just said, yeah, was it, it used horse to be made urine? from horse urine.
3: Yeah, it was oh, back gosh. in the day. I didn't yeah, know that. Back in the day, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, moved, yeah, yeah. It's moved on a lot since it's then. It's come Sounds on a delight. lot since yeah. then. <laughs>
4: And also, then there was still that research that was around, which is now we know is, is kind of was falsely put together and is not correct information, which was around at the time based on the research, on that massive research study in, in America, where it actually just, you know, you, you're going to die of breast cancer. Mm. So your risk of breast cancer increases. Don't take HRT. And so I was like, firstly, I'm not going to take horse And secondly, I'm not going to, I don't want to die of breast cancer because I just think there's so much going wrong with me already. No flat out. I'm not doing it. I'm going to do it my own way. I've got to work this out myself because no one's helping me. You know, so back then, I mean, it's just, it's crazy how things have come along. But that was the only information I got. So when was it for
1: you that the penny really dropped and you went, this is perimenopause or like the, like, was it a gradual kind of realisation when you sort of realised I'm not dying? Because it's quite a thing, isn't it? That we know so we don't know the word perimenopause we don't know the word menopause and your brain automatically goes to cancer because we're so exposed to that our mm. first thought even if just a few years ago would not have been actually i wonder if this is perimenopause or menopause it just goes oh my god i've got leukemia i've got a brain tumor my heart's about to give out i've got, I've got alzheimers yeah
3: <laughs> but i've got anxiety all of yeah it,
1: and and actually, it's just a collection of hormones that are just gradually depleting that are causing all these symptoms. So, when did the penny drop? Like, when was it for you?
4: It was very gradual because what am I now? Fifty four, fifty five. So, I'm postmenopausal three years. Probably about about six or seven years ago. So, it's very recent for me. And that's when I started to talk about it because I realised I'd missed. I felt like. I'd been kind of robbed of almost eight years of my life. You know, literally, I was going, if you could list every single menopause symptom, I pretty much had all of them. They went in phases and stages. So I didn't really put it all together and think, oh, right, this is perimenopause and it could last 10 years. Until I really, until about five or six years ago, when I started to really look into it, because people were asking me more and more, what is menopause and and actually the reason I actually sort of going back a couple of steps the reason I started to talk about it was because when I would speak to other women and I would say do you do you think you could be going through menopause or like the early like perimenopause and stuff they'd be going like no what, what's that it's a disease we don't get it it's a disease or South Asian women would say it's a white person's disease or they would say really? I'm not going to get it if I yes honest to God and I'm not going yeah. to get it if I keep myself fit and healthy okay so I was just like, okay. I've got to do something about this because you are gonna you're gonna be hit. You know, you you could be half of the population of women that are going through have to, going to have to make significant changes to your lifestyle because you are going to be hit with symptoms that are gonna really affect you. If you're lucky, you're the one in four that goes through it, breezes through it. But actually, your risk to osteoporosis, your risk to heart disease, the reason you've got diabetes, the reason perhaps your thyroid isn't working you're bloating, you're getting lots of hay fever, you know, headaches, all of these things that you're talking to me about is not because you're not eating well or exercising well. It could be because your hormones are changing. And yes, we do need to look at exercise and eating, but actually we need to acknowledge the fact that this is what is happening. And it is a natural process that happens to every single woman. And still to this day, I was at a talk yesterday in Northampton and I'm not talking about people who are not who haven't accessed education. I'm not. Talk, I'm talking about you know the demographic of people who you know well-educated people. I've actually even had dentists and people talk to me as well say the same thing to me. A lady yesterday said to me, she said, "So when is this going to stop?" Like I'm my periods have finished, so she's postmenopausal, and she said, mm. "When is this going to stop?" I said, "What?" She said this menopause thing it's like no 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 we we are we are postmenopausal. that's it that's how you are you are going to be living like this for the rest of your life we have to do something about it and she literally nearly cried she went I can't go on like this I kept thinking it was going to end so you know and that's sad I that is why I do what I do. I do that. I drove all the way to Northampton. Wonderful set of 30 women who were there. But, you know, I'm going to the, the, going to a Gurdwara um, Sikh temple in on Saturday in Coventry and speaking to another set of women. And my husband's coming this time. We're talking about relationships, you know, which is really forward-thinking oh, for a lot of these great. places to yeah. go.
1: For, that's really impressive. That's really something.
4: Oh, no, mm. thank you. But my, my point, going back to it, is I didn't put the pieces together about perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause until I'd gone. I'd been going through it and trying to help myself for about probably six years, five or six years. Um, So I I do feel, honestly, I do feel like uh, if I'd known about HRT back then, the way it is now, if it was the same, I don't even know, I would have gone on it without a doubt. I would not have struggled the way I did. I'm not on it now because, you know, I'm postmenopause. My symptoms are slightly different. I do notice fluctuations still in my hormones. I'm still getting certain symptoms. They're less. Life is very different postmenopause. Perimenopause was fairly horrific.
1: You've mentioned sort of South Asian communities and I have to say, you know, I am... A minority on this podcast which I, it's not I don't mean that on it but it is great to have someone from a South Asian background as well and I think there's I, I, totally. I'm, I count myself really fortunate because my mum went through a very early menopause and I started to go through an a early menopause and so mum, mum was very good at talking to us about it and we had a front row seat we were in our you know we were quite young and seeing it all play out but I've, as I got older, I realised that a lot of my friends' mums, when they, they just weren't talking about it, a lot of my Indian friends' mums going to the temple and stuff. I mean, even like talking about periods was, a no, no, never mind menopause. There wasn't a word. I don't even think is there a word for it in any of the Indian, Asian, South Asian languages. There's not a word for it, is there? No, there is. Crazy, isn't it? And yeah, yeah there I isn't. mean, so it's weird that like why that? Why do you think there's such a cultural taboo around it? I
4: I think being a un- you you hit pretty much the nail on the head in that women's health is just taboo. Women aren't given that value. Yes, we might be loved and, you know, all of the rest of those things, but we're not actually given that space and that understanding. We don't have the words or the vocabulary to talk about what's going on. And women's health is just not given any importance whatsoever. You have a baby, you just get on with it. Even when you're pregnant, not meant to really show it. You're not meant to talk about being pregnant for a certain amount of time. And it's all very kind of, um, mm. you know, periods that. Periods dirty. Are dirty. You're not dirty. meant to go to the temple. Unclean.
1: You're not meant to go to the temple. Not yeah. meant to go. Yeah, all of that right. stuff. Right.
4: When you have a period, you're not meant to go to the temple or all of this stuff. So if we're brought up in that environment, you're not going to talk about it. You're not going to know about it. And a lot of Asian women don't actually even know that's what they're going through.
1: I, I'm, you know, I brought up a Hindu. And you go to the temple and you've got a god and a goddess. There's, for every god, there's a goddess. There's a female form, yeah? Yeah. And you go in for, for a faith that so, has a female so front and centre of their worship. How is it that women, women's health, uh, pregnancy, oh, God forbid you have a girl, not a boy. And I mean, that's a whole other conversation. The fact that periods don't come to the temple, don't come here, don't come there, you're unclean. And then, as you progress in life, it's almost like I think women were just expected to just hide away and go and be old in a corner. Yeah. And and I guess in in warm, hot countries, hot cultures, if you became a widow, you don't know why. It's sorry, and you never go anywhere. You you just sort of. So do you think it's part and parcel of like that? Like I, I just can't I just can't correlate the two where you've got a faith that's just got women at the center of worship, and then yet there's no conversation around it.
4: Yeah, I think you know what I truly believe. So again, my mum, like your mum, I was very lucky. So my mum was very forward thinking in that. In you know, I'd say to her, "Oh, I'm on my period and I shouldn't be," and she and I was told I'd never heard it before. Actually, I just heard it through friends of uh, and stuff. And it was, and I said to her, "I'm not meant to go to the temple because I've had I've got my period." And she just turned around and she went, "But look, that goddess is a that's a goddess. That's a goddess." Where do we have babies? Like, we, if we don't have a period, we can't have babies. And therefore, we, you know, just forget it. She's like, just don't tell anyone. Why do you need to tell anybody? I was like, okay, I don't need to tell anyone.
1: <laughs> yeah, my family were pretty forward-thinking on that front as well, yeah.
4: Yeah, and I think there is a difference between cultural, what we're indoctrinated with culturally, yeah. and what religion actually says. So I Completely. think there is a real disparity between that, okay? And it's that interpretation, you know, right. it's the interpretation of religion. So I actually don't, I always say to, even with people that don't eat meat and don't eat this, don't eat that, I always say, you know, that's how you're brought up, you're told, well, it's, you're not meant to eat this because it's religious and you're not meant to eat it. And I, and I sometimes, when you strip religion right back, it it's quite often doesn't it's have any there. of that indoctrination. No. no. It literally is us as humans,
1: my my dad used to say exactly that. My dad is a massive feminist, actually. I'll, again, I I'll look back and realise how just not a typical Indian dad my dad is. And uh, he'd say, you know, again, if you look at the scripture, or I don't even know if it is in scripture, he said, you know, really, in, instead of not going to the temple, what, what we talk about when, what's supposed to happen, or what he interpreted and my mum, was that when you're on your period, you're meant to rest. Yeah. So you withdraw from cooking and cleaning and all that, right? And somehow it's been, you know, they were like, it's been flipped somehow. And it's now become, you're unclean, don't go to the temple.
4: And actually it was meant to be,
1: no, you're you're having a period, you're ovulating, whatever. Go rest. Yeah. So are are you sort of working actively to break the taboo? Actively going to temples and speaking to... Tell us what you do.
4: Yeah, I mean, I will go wherever anybody will have me. I literally, literally will. I will go and speak to anyone um, and anywhere. So if I can be, you know, like I said, I've not been invited to a temple yet, but I've been invited to a couple of gurdwaras. The Northampton event was actually at a gurdwara as well. And everybody seems to be up north. It's down here that we seem to, in in London, that there seems to be an issue. Uh, Not an issue, but I think we're just less, perhaps. um, I just find that, interestingly enough, Birmingham, Coventry, Northampton, they all seem to be quite willing, a particular, particular part of the demographic seem to be quite willing to learn and listen. You know, the elder generation may be a little bit kind of not quite there, but even Harry's mom and dad, they don't talk about what I do, because I, I get it. I can't force it down people's throats. I need to be respectful of everyone's you know, wishes and stuff like that. But they know I do this stuff and they know I've been to Parliament and they know I have papers public, you know, that have been published in different places. And the, I go to Gurdwaras and I go. And if I said to them, could I have a talk? Could you arrange one for me where you are at your Gurdwaras? They would do it. But it it's difficult because it's one person at a time. Somebody said this to me yesterday or the day before was like, it's just exhausting. I said, yeah, it is exhausting. If you think you're going to change a whole room and full of people in one go, you're not. Mm. You literally have to battle one person at a time and hope that one person will then educate the next person and educate the next person. You can't expect more than that.
0: What sort of reaction do you get when you go to the temples? I know you gave us one example. Have you got any others? What, what sort of reaction do you get in general? Do you
4: know one, of the, one of the loveliest ones that I did was one of the first ones I did and again, I don't organise these events. These are people coming to me and saying, would you do this? And I'm like, yeah, perfect, love to. There was about eight or 10 women. And it was actually in the Goudoir itself. We had a room that allowed us to have a room. There was a chap there. There was a guy there, my husband there as well. Um, and then it was mainly women. But actually it was mums and daughters as well that had come. And it was the revelation of the mums who were in their 60s or 70s talking about their, because they suddenly were like, oh my God, this is exactly what happened to me. All of the symptoms that you're saying, what was happening to me at that time, then postmenopausal now, but this is what happened to me and I wasn't able to talk about it. And I was fobbed off by the doctor. And we're talking about 30, you know, 25, 30 years ago, some of them, if they were older, in their seventies. And their daughters would be sitting there going, I didn't know you went through this. I didn't know you had this happen to you. I didn't know. And then all the stories started pouring out about miscarriages and about how the, the like, doctors didn't listen to them and how, you know, just like outpouring. And I just, I just, there are times when I am exhausted. Like yesterday I was exhausted, 11 o'clock we got back home and I don't do very well late nights because I'm an early riser to practice my yoga and the whole thing. And my day starts quite early. But I, you know... I that that is what keeps you going that's what keeps me going that's what keeps harry supporting me and my girl supporting me is that you know if one person or two people feel like they've been heard that's important yesterday somebody said again was introducing me and said you know mira's mira's not a celebrity she said she's the one who actually goes around visits all this thing all these places but i just thought that was really lovely but You know, my point being is sometimes those people become unrelatable. And I think that's the difference. So being, a you know, it is about representation, representation, And representation really, really, really matters. I have a group of four girls, like, like you four, and I'm the only Indian in the group. And I couldn't turn even to my own girlfriends, who are all white. I couldn't turn to them and have that conversation because it just wasn't, you weren't I couldn't programmed explain. to be able to say it. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't explain to them how how difficult it was for me. I know. And they were going through their own journeys, you know, it was open and it, we were all talking about it, but I just couldn't find the language to speak to them with it. It was just and, uh, something, I, think, I don't know.
1: I think that is something because I remember like when I was younger, when I was a teenager, when I lived at home still, we were going to the temple as a family and. Because I grew up in a very white area. All my friend, Most of my friends are white. And that's fine. Like I, I've never kind of felt torn between two cultures or anything particularly like that. I've been fine. No. But I think it would be things like trying to explain the period not going to temple thing. <laughs> because also, I didn't want to say it because I was ashamed of the fact that, that that level of persecution was there. So I didn't want them to think bad of my faith and my background. But also, I was still like seething about the injustice of that ridiculousness of it all. And uh, and so you find yourself just not finding... You can't... You just don't say anything. You're just like... No. Oh. In fact, I don't think... I, I mean, I think my the friends I grew up with, I've we've talked about it more recently, but I think that's probably the first time you guys have heard that, right? The rest of you. Yeah, completely.
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely blown away by this conversation. It's really... I mean, firstly, it's amazing what you do, Mary. What you're talking about there, those experiences are so powerful mm. and quite incredible. And I, no wonder it's exhausting. Yeah. And I feel... I feel really moved by hearing you two talking this way. I really do. Mm. Thank you. It's
0: it's absolutely fascinating. Terry, I think you had a question, did you? Yeah, I was going to ask
2: you, Mira, if well, firstly, have things improved or can you speak to how women from South Asia are treated in the health service? Because I believe that there was a study done by a, a journal of, what was it called? Journal of Later, In Later Life. And it found that women from India experience menopause uh, an average age of around 46. Whereas in the UK, we say the NICE guidelines are all based around the, the age of 51, that is the average age for, for menopause. So I just wondered, in terms of the women that you meet, are they also ignored when they go to a GP and say they have symptoms? Oh, you're far too young. Or, or is that sort of filtering through that actually women from different heritage have different on average, different times that they go through perimenopause and menopause. It's obviously going to have a, an effect on perimenopause, isn't it, if the average age for menopause is 46.2. So I just wondered yeah. if, you, if you've come yeah. across that, this, the, the as well as the misogyny.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, so again, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting point that you raise, and I'm part of a, a research study, a global research study, which I jumped at the opportunity to be a part of, where we're trying to get a million women across the globe to complete a 15- to 20-minute questionnaire, it is going to be, if we can get a million women, one of the largest research studies into menopause that there is. Um, and wow. it literally is a 15-minute questionnaire. So if I can send it to you guys, you can yeah. send it out to we'll wherever. Send, we'll send it get to everyone we know. Yeah, yeah we'll,
3: put that, we'll put the details on the episode notes for this podcast.
4: Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so because there is a lack of research, whatever little bits of research there are, And also, anecdotally, even my observation at other people that work within, within this space, there is a huge impact of culture, socioeconomics, demographics, ethnicity. All of those things play a part on how women experience menopause. So there are some cultures in which being older and getting older and going through that time is like a rite of passage. And there are others where it's deemed as very, very negative And you're kind of put aside because you're basically a waste of space now. You're no good because you're not fertile. So that has an impact. And actually, Asian women are likely to start to experience perimenopause much earlier. An average age can be anything sort of 38, 40 for menopause, perimenopause to start. And therefore, yes, your wow. average age of menopause then becomes much lower. But... Mm. Is it recognised? So your question of, do I find that a lot of women are going Yes, a lot of women are going through it that I see and I see, I do have a, a menopause programme that I run as well, where we look at holistically about educating women about what menopause is, and then looking at how they can support themselves through lifestyle choices. And this isn't about HRT and not HRT, but education, lifestyle choices. How do you look after yourself? And the women that I've I've helped, and I only take five or six women on at a time through these programs. It's a very small group because it's very intense. I've helped about 100 plus women in this kind of quite close way. A lot of them will have experienced perimenopause or be experiencing perimenopause symptoms quite early. They'll be 40, 42, 43 when they're coming to me. Some are 50, 45, 50, but on average, they're much younger and experiencing the symptoms. You've also got to kind of take into context that menopause isn't something that is really given a spotlight, either university life of medical practitioners, right? The report that I was part of for the inquiry that's come out has said that, you know, we need to get education in for the universities, for medical students, we need to get it into schools. So all of that is being filtered through, but it will take time. We need GPs and practitioners to be able to say, all right, hold on a minute. So what, you've got a headache, your erratic periods, you're having vaginal dryness, it's painful to have sex, joints are aching, your hair's thinning, okay, let's go through this whole set of symptoms, you're not sleeping, you've got heart flushes, whatever, poor concentration, brain fog, oh, okay, let me just join all the dots, have you considered that you could be going through menopause, you know, or perimenopause, it's sort of starting to change a bit, but it's not changing completely.
1: But I think I think it's specific specifically the cultural thing as well. So that awareness that South Asian women do start perimenopause earlier. I, I just think it's hilarious the irony of the sheer number of brown doctors there are <laughs> as well. Like it's it's kind of <laughs> quite funny. And actually, I'm nodding away because yeah, I mean it, it was certainly true in my family, and it was an Asian doctor that turned around and went, "Nah, nah, it can't be." No, there can't be a no. It's not. It's not in the familial line. I'm like, you're telling me that breast cancer is, but menopause isn't, isn't it? All hormone related, isn't it? All hormone related. He was like, nah, and I'm like, oh great, okay. Eventually, hitting upon a actually another female uh, Asian doctor that I started to kind of. uh, She must have realized this joining the dots do you remember when i rang you guys and i was in the morrison's car park and i was literally crying down the phone i was just like i cannot believe i have like i've got i remember you know i've got it so i've finally got someone who's getting it
3: you were. you 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 you, it was a really really big deal that someone you'd felt heard heard and you you felt culturally
1: felt heard as well that was a really big deal for me it wasn't even that long ago really it's in this it's in the time since we've started making this no it's about a year year and a half ago yeah. Um, so yeah but honestly yeah. more power to you because that's a lot of work to do still but it's so it's mm, representation exactly. exactly what you say it's representation
4: and awareness it is but and it's like it's podcasts like yourselves you know and things that you're doing and that makes a difference it's that drip 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 effect you know you need to keep chipping away at it but it does affect everybody the stories I hear okay I hear predominantly from South Asian women but, you know, it is it is across the board where women aren't being heard. It's just women not being heard. It is about women not being heard. And that's literally what it is. And you can go into that sub, sub sort of strata of uh, going into the different cultures and it's just a whole minefield straight there. But, you know, why, why should? It is, it's that question really. Why should you have to be fighting so hard to be heard mm. to the point where you're mm. in tears because somebody actually hears you? Yesterday, what it, I was talking to a doctor um, who was doing a speech or something, and she just—I know her from some, I can't remember where I know her from, but anyway, but she was just like, "Would you mind having a chat with me? I'd really like to give some fluff out my speech, basically, uh, by sort of giving experiences of other women." And, and she just asked some really funny questions, and she's lovely, lovely lady. But she said, so you, you know? So why did you not go back to the doctor?" It's like because I wasn't heard. <laughs> no. You know, and and I was um, and it was this was I was at a bupa event, the bupa symposium on on Monday, brilliant, brilliant, really forward thinking session where they were talking about the future of healthcare and how it's just it's just so dire. But what would we do to do it? How could we change it? And when I was talking about Mike, where it's that the the reason they were talking about consumerism and a patient, right, the difference between the two, how it's changed things. So I said, well, I'm a consumer because I don't want to be a patient. So I'm doing lifestyle choices, I'm making different things, I'm doing my own research because I actually don't want to be a patient, I don't want to go to the doctor. The reason I don't want to go to the doctor is because actually I can sit in front of a, and they're all GPs in the room, you know, not GPs, but all medical practitioners in the room. And I just said, because the, the scary thing is I could sit opposite a GP, which is what I did. And I, at that point, know more about me and my condition than Mm -hmm. you do that the GP does. But we were brought up to believe that GPs, not just GPs, but doctors, they're God. Mm -hmm. They are are the oracle. So whatever your doctor says is right. Mm -hmm. But now I'm going to a a, a doctor or a GP or whatever. And I don't know who to ask for. So I'm asking for my doctor who doesn't even know me. Uh, You know, whatever. Forget that. And I'm actually sitting across the table from you and you're, you're talking rubbish. And I'm trying to say to you, no, let me just point out my symptoms to you. And this is what I could be. That is the state that we're in, which is really, really, really sad. And also you get 10 minutes and you're out. So the doctor said to me, the GP that I was talking to yesterday said to me, but I don't have time. This The woman came in. I knew she needed HRT, but she started talking about her relationships and her family. And I had to stop her and say, your time's up. You need HRT. Do you want to take it?
3: You need the balance app, like, Go get the balance the- app. <sighs> yeah. I know. We spoke to some uh, a couple of women very early on when we first started the podcast. They'd done quite a lot of research and they found that on average women had gone six times to their GP before feeling any kind of support. Which, you know, if you just think about the amount of money that costs. I mean, and, and, and certainly I'd gone back over a period of like, you know, two years and and was just just felt like i was banging my head against a brick wall you know and and i think it's really interesting what you're talking about there with the consumer uh, approach to this it's really about preventive medicine isn't it rather than reactive medicine
0: we're getting into all the other stuff now other than hrt and you, you talked earlier about a program i think this is your don't pause for menopause program isn't it what can you tell us about that
4: that Yeah, I mean, that came about really, uh, it was during lockdown, as many things have come about during lockdown. Mm. Uh, a few women came up to me and well, they were messaging, not physically coming up to me at that time, but they were messaging me saying they were struggling. And I looked like I was doing the right stuff. And I seemed to be really well. And I was like, you've got no idea. Could you help us? And I was like, yeah, I can, but it's not going to work for you. Because it's, it's a little bit kind of you have to change a few bits here and there and be committed to a bit of change. And so they were like no we're willing to try anything I was like okay that's fine let's do it and it started off as a 12-week program where you know we looked at their diet we looked at what they were eating I then supported them to start to include different nutrients um asked for their blood tests and I work with a functional nutritionist who looks at their blood tests based around education so there's two workshops I deliver on food and nutrition um you know meal planning what's the importance of fat exercise how what do we need to what is menopause um and then i have a, a functional nutritionist that works with me and she does a lot on the hormones and all of that side of stuff and supplements and what do we need but she also looks at the blood tests and speaks to everybody and you know gives them feedback individually and i di- and i work with them individually and look at their lifestyle and where we can put different foods in and education on food nutrition what do they need Um, And we also have a psychotherapist on board as well. And everybody goes, why do you have a psychotherapist? And I said, because we need support to understand how to shift our mindset, number one. But also a lot of what we do in our life is very emotive, right? And sometimes we're not getting the support we need from our family, from our friends, from everybody. You're kind of alone. So the psychotherapist is hugely important, this group session that we have. Um, And we offer exercise daily which is tailored towards women who are going through this stage of life. We do yoga once a week, uh, which is kind of yoga for sleep. So it's not kind of a dynamic yoga. It's a literally a holistic approach. And I am sitting on your shoulder, teaching you about micronutrients, macronutrients, challenging things like intermittent fasting. Is it right for you? Challenging things like, I was told I only need to eat 800 calories or 1,200 calories and challenging people's perceptions of I've got to go gluten or dairy free or I've got to run every day for 10 you know anything so it literally is a program where people learn about themselves.
0: Do you think all this happens sort of alongside HRT then it's not a one, one or other is it really?
4: Never never it's about empowering women to be able to make choices it's your choice what you do you should have a toolbox of 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 different things that you can pull out and HRT should be one of them it, it's not it you know and I again you hear people go, oh I don't want to do HRT because I want to do it the natural way and I always I say do you have you ever taken any form of contraception you know taken it intake well okay so you have you know if you have what do you think HRT is we are bringing in hormones to help you if that is what you need i mean what is it no one's going to give you a badge for suffering you know i mean it just is a black one.
3: <laughs> well <laughs> said love that love that well i just wanted to ask quickly about about uh, yoga because I, uh, I read that you that you do ashtanga yoga yes. and we're all massive, well, we're all big yoga with adrian fans here on effin hormans and i do yoga every single day honestly couldn't cope without it just 20 minutes you know I see, see, see Ashtanga yoga popping up a lot. I mean, is that is there a particular type of yoga that's better for, for menopause or perimenopause or does it not no, matter?
4: No, yoga is, you know, there are different fractions of yoga, like there are different fractions of so many things. And yoga really is a practice that is about turning inwards and inward reflection and inward. It, it literally is that, that focus on self, um, that focus on your breath, that focus on really creating space in your body for you. Calming your mind down, bringing it into space. So you know, yoga is 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 not really about getting into poses. You know, the poses are yeah. are tools we need to use to be able to help our body and our mind feel kind of work in one and work in harmony.
1: Hear, hear. Like for me, it's high anger. It's what works for you. You know, it's what yeah. works for you. And and I think unfortunately, yoga's been plagued by. Sorry to say it, but the Americanization and the McDonaldization, Oh, it has. It's almost like there's about 50 billion schools of yoga. It's just you go to India and yes, there are certain schools, but yoga's yoga, man. Like just whatever works for you. Yes, there are different schools, aren't there, right? I
4: chose the Shtanga because for me, the drive was it's dynamic. I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to be jumping around and weird and wonderful things and actually just realise, oh, hold on a minute. It's not about that at all. Actually, you can't continue practicing yoga if you don't start to turn inwards and start to actually use it for what you need to use it for so yes there are some people who need to do it for different things and for me like what you were saying Helen for me it was my lifeline and still is to this day so I practice the Mysore style of yoga basically that means you can kind of turn up to class at any time because the Shtanga is a sequence you you kind of know where you're at in the sequence and then you get taught the next sequence. And that's actually what I like, because I like routine. I like knowing what I'm doing. I hate going to a class and then one minute you're gonna go here and the next one you're going there. And I'm like, okay. So vinyasa flow is is a bit is a bit tricky for me in my brain sometimes. So Stanga works for me well because I know I'm going to do the same thing or whatever. It's breath work. Hmm. You know? And that's what we try and teach. That's what I try and deliver when I do my yoga. Yeah. sessions for the ladies both for, for the people on the program and you know um I do a training club so I do an online platform which is live and on demand exercise classes like 30 minutes per session and stuff just accessible you know but if people understood going back to that menopause thing if people understood the the significance of cortisol cuz that's not talked about mm. you know you've got if you are stressed Stress is a trigger. They're saying now stress is a trigger for menopause and perimenopause. But stress, when you're stressed, that cortisol, your body has to stop doing everything that it needs to do in order to produce that cortisol. And if, you know, we need cortisol, it's really important for us. But, but in bursts, that's how we were designed. So you're running for a bus, you're doing an exam, there's a tiger chasing you, whatever it may be, right? You, you, <laughs> you, you know, you, 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 yes, gosh, you need that cortisol right there, but you don't need... Right now, we've got cortisol all the time because you've got something to do for the kids, you've got something to do for your parents, you've got something to do for somebody else, you've got a deadline in your work, you've got a bus to catch, you're then late for a next appointment, you're doing a podcast and you're not there. or the You know, whatever it may me you've got to make dinner. It is a constant stream Oh, yeah. oh that's my life, Of course so.
2: <laughs> you basically just described my life.
4: <laughs> that's our lives. It's our lives. You know, it's my life. I have to be really careful. And that constant cortisol can become a comfort. Because we're like, what do we do when we... Ch- what, how, how, what do you mean I'm not going to be running around? Because that cortisol is, it becomes a comfort, comes a state of living. And that chronic cortisol has an impact on how much, how well our body is A, able to produce hormones, particularly estrogen itself, but also be how it's able to digest food, insulin levels, how your lipids are all absorbed, you know, and assimilated. And, and so... One of the most important things we can do for menopause literally is to think about meditation, mindfulness, and yoga. And it doesn't need to be a big thing, you know, it can be small. You're
0: speaking my language there, Mira, oh. telling you. Yeah. You're amazing. I think my favorite quote has to be No one's going to give you a badge for suffering. I love it.
4: I love that. That comes from my mum. She was one of the first, you know, I was so shocked when she said to me, she said, when I had my daughters, and this is what I mean, she's just like this thing of information. She's just amazing. She said to me, she said, you better feed yourself first before you feed the children. I was like, what? No, (laughs) I've got to feed the kids first. She went, no, you feed yourself first so you can feed, then feed the kids. Otherwise, you're going to be hungry and you're going to get ill and you're not going to look after yourself. So she's always like, look after yourself first and you're able to give to others. I'm like, wow. It's so, you know, it's so true. It's so So good. Yeah.
2: So simple
4: but true. Amazing, pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Big up, Mirror's mum. <laughs> that was awesome,
3: Mirror. That Absolutely was music awesome. to our ears. Thank you. thank you
0: so much, Mirror, for joining
4: us. That was brilliant.
0: Yay! Oh, thank you so got much, so much for that, Mirror. I loved you. it. I had
4: such a lovely chat. You guys are amazing. Oh,
0: oh. honestly. And that is it for this episode of Effin Hormones. Thank you so much, Mira, for sharing your story. You can catch us again in around a month's time. Uh, remember, of course, if you can donate a couple of quid to keep us going, then please do check out effinhormones.com. Just scroll till you see Be an effin Star, click on the star, and that takes you through to our GoFundMe page. A big thank you, gang. Cheers. Bye, Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh.